If someone were to ask you, what would be the perfect place to live and to work? Maybe if you live in Payson, you'd probably already know the answer, and you'd say, well, here, of course. Even despite all the threats of wildfire and the smoke. But when people answer that question, they often consider many different categories. For example, many magazines or websites that publish listings of places that are the best places to live and work. We'll talk about different categories such as security and safety, or the beauty and the art and the culture of the place, things to enjoy, and also the work opportunities and things to do. Aren't really all of these categories pointing us back to the very beginning, to God's design in the Garden of Eden? It's what everybody's chasing after. And regardless of what you would list as the perfect place to live and work, today we continue our series and see just what God has designed for us as the perfect place to live, our home, and the perfect work to hold. We continue our series looking at the start of Genesis and see another foundational truth of the faith as we look at the Garden of Eden and we see what God has prepared for us for a home and for work. In the Garden of Eden, we first see in the chapter, start of chapter 2, it listing a title for the Lord which he bears, the Lord God. It's the first time that we see that in the book of Genesis. And that title essentially means in the Hebrew, he who is, the one who exists. That is, our God is all-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from mankind. He doesn't need anything from us or his creation. But his creation... And human beings are not all self-sufficient. So we see him designing in Genesis chapter 2 our home and what we need for life and to thrive. In Genesis chapter 2, it describes for us a situation where God provides everything. And first of all, it describes a paradise, a home that God has made by describing the way the Bible does so often paradise. A picture of what is not there. In the Garden of Eden, there's a lack of a need to work for the plants of the field or the shrubs of the field. Now, at this point, someone could say, well, weren't there plants created on day three of creation? Yes. But Moses is describing for us here plants of the field, bushes of the field, things which must be harvested and worked and cultivated in order to have food to survive. And it says here, there was no man yet to work the earth. There was man at the end of creation, but he didn't have to work fields and harvest in order to live and survive. God provided for his creation apart from the means that we now know and are familiar with. It says that there was no rain. Men didn't have to till the ground and wait for rain for crops. Instead, water came from the earth and supplied all the face of the earth what was needed. Can you imagine that? A home where there's perfect provision. We read in chapter 2, The Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the earth. And for the man, he formed a place, a perfect place for him to live. It describes the Garden of Eden as unlike any other place. The infrastructure of God's perfect garden is described as something utterly unique. Water supplied like a fountain flowing backwards, going to all the various places that needed water for life. 
And this river, which is described with real places, supplies everything that's needed. Can you imagine that? We've seen and can picture infrastructure and places, and we can picture beautiful riversides, but what about this, where it says, in the garden that God put the man, there was perfect food, which was pleasing for the eye and a pleasure to eat. You can picture all the various scenes of beauty from trees and forests around this world. Can you picture it all rolled into one perfect place? You can picture waterfront avenues where you'll walk or scenes along beaches and rivers. But can you picture the beauty of all that rolled into this river? This is paradise. And as God describes it, there is listed the things that Moses' hearers would have known were things that provide pleasure and wonderful scent and taste. It was filled with beauty, God's perfect provision of beauty. And the Garden of Eden description goes on as it's describing for us, man was put in that garden to work. Sure, when you and I picture work, we don't often picture pleasure or enjoyment. But God did not create Adam to be idle. God had given Adam a provision of work which he could do to live in and take care of for the garden. Still today, men love to carry out their vocation in life. If they carry out a job well and it's done well, they find pleasure and satisfaction in that. Can you picture all the best aspects of every job or vocation that you've ever known? Picture the best parts of them all rolled into one position. Adam got to serve as father and got to work and take care of the garden in which he was placed. Paradise involved a perfect setting where God gave provision and security. It provided perfect infrastructure and a self-sustaining system that would provide for water and provision. And it also included beauty and pleasure of tastes and sights. And it provided for a place for Adam to work and to enjoy that work as he served and lived under his God. Eden, however, is not something we see today. The paradise described in the book of Genesis has been lost. When you look at the world today, beauty is there, but behind it is the disgusting horror of everything else. And yes, you can find food that tastes good and sights that are pleasurable, but they're hard to find and often expensive, and they're fleeting. And yes, there are jobs which people enjoy, and aspects of various jobs which are enjoyable. But there's no job that's free and perfectly free from the pains and from the labors that we now have. When it describes later in Genesis work, it describes the plants of the field and it describes working to serve the earth, the struggles of mankind. So what happened to Eden? We are still, all of this world is still trying to attain Eden. It is struggling to find a place where they can live, people can live in security and have provision and infrastructure that won't fade or, or fail with time or natural disaster. People are still looking for that perfect job where they can find satisfaction of body and mind. But Eden cannot be attained, not by your own strength. When you look at what happens at the onset of a, a wildfire, the destruction is often devastating. 
And yet it starts with just one small spark. Often people ask when there's a wildfire, well, how did this one start? And sometimes it comes down to one careless act at a campfire or one broken down vehicle and a fire that begins so small, one small spark, spreads for hundreds of miles as the ashes and flame come raining down even hundreds of miles away. So it was with Eden. One small act of rebellion. And it's not like Adam wasn't warned. It's not like he wasn't looking about and seeing the the sign, the ban that said there was a ban on fires and it was illegal. But Adam chose to go against that ban. He chose to turn aside from that very simple command and turned aside from his God. We'll see later on in our series the full result of what happened. But it was like a forest fire. That single act of disobedience caused ruin on all of the world and paradise was forever lost. Lost to the grasp of mankind. Adam could not attain it again. And nor can you and I or anyone else in this world. But God who gave Adam and Eve that paradise at the first, restores what was lost. That we might not forever be shut out of Eden, that we might not return just back to the dust and be outside of paradise forever and forever be separate from our God and his love. Our God came to this world. Jesus, the Son of God, came down and he let go of every glory and every beauty of heaven that he had and held. He let go as he himself lived in what was a small town, one that was often despised for its insignificance. No infrastructure. And he gave up so many provisions as he worked and toiled with his own hands as a carpenter to provide for a home and food and often went without food and without home. But Jesus came to sign up for the job, the task that none of us would ever want to sign up for, to suffer and to be the servant of all. And Jesus did far more than what a firefighter does when they put their life on the line to combat flames. He took in his own body the flames and fires of hell that the wickedness of this world deserved, the anger of God that justly would have burned over sin and over us forever. And Jesus did that so that paradise might be restored and regained. That those who trust in God would find provision. They would find beauty and they would find in Jesus work that has meaning. Jesus, who gave his life and lay in the dust of death, rose again in victory. And declaring to us his peace we know that the living Jesus told us, I am going to prepare a place for you. And that's a perfect place. Jesus came to restore, and more than that, to give what was lost to sinners and to give us a perfect provision and peace and meaningful service. That starts with the peace that we now have in knowing that he provides not only for our daily bread, but gives us everything we need for body and soul. The waters flow, the waters of baptism, to give us new life 
and to wash away every wrong and sin. And we look back to those waters for strength. And Jesus provides us with the bread of life to provide for not only our bodies, but our souls as well as we feast on him. And he still feeds us with his sacrament, giving us of his own body and blood so that we can, in all sense, taste and see the beauty of the Lord and know that the Lord is good. God provides for us now with such beauty and such provision that will not fail. And someday when this body falls into decay, we know that he will restore us to be raised like his own glorious body and we will live forever with him. And so because of that, we now have service in life that is meaningful. And I'm, no, I'm not just talking about the service that is done as someone shows up at church and does work. Whatever your calling or vocation, vocation is in life, it now has new meaning. Those who trust in the Lord no longer work and toil to strive after attaining Eden. Paradise is already promised. Peace is already ours. The beauty of the Lord and his love is already ours. We're no longer working to attain Edom. Like Adam, when he first was placed in that garden, we are working out of thankfulness to God for all of his gifts. And we find joy and satisfaction in that work as we serve our God in whatever our vocation is. Whether you're serving as a pastor, a policeman, a politician, or for some practice or trade, your service is now done out of thanksgiving to God. And that work that is done in your vocation is done with real meaning and service to the God who gives everything. And it's done in thanksgiving as you serve God by doing well whatever he has called you to do in life. And don't misunderstand. Yes, we need those who serve also in gospel ministry and those who serve their church on various positions or roles. But God also needs those who serve in their various trades and vocations in life. God also needs fathers who serve as Christian parents. God needs mothers who serve as mothers. Whatever calling you have in life, your work now is filled with meaning as you work out of thankfulness to God. Christian fathers can serve as they bring up children to know the Lord and live as a Christian example in their homes and in their work. And you, whatever vocation you now carry out, has meaning. Eden was lost. But this is a foundational truth of the Christian faith. We see in the book of Genesis a real paradise that God had created. Moses lists real places, not so he could go and find Eden, but so that we could know God created us to live and to know his beauty of his creation, to enjoy, to taste, and to see the pleasures of the life he has given us as a gift, a free gift, and to serve within his creation in thankfulness and love to the God who has freely given us all things. A foundational truth of the Christian faith is God has given us and he designs for us to have a place to live, a perfect place, one which is restored through his son Jesus and which is promised to us. And until then, we live with his peace, with the beauty of the Lord and his word. And every vision of a sunset, every rainbow, everything is a reminder today 
of the home that is to come because what our God has done for us. You know, when a forest fire burns through a region, the effects can often be devastating. But those who know the after effects years later can see what God does even after such destruction as new life emerges from the ground where there was once only blackness and ash. So it is with God's restoration of his creation. Yes, this world is destined to be destroyed by fire and our bodies will return to the dust. But paradise is not lost. It is regained by Christ. It is promised for those who trust in him. Where would you like to live and to work? I can think of none better than what God has given us.